the promised Messiah salam, was approached by his neighbors, people who knew him. And they asked him that, why don't you show us a sign of the truth of Islam? At that moment, as you all know, he went to another city called Hushyarpur and spent 40 days worshipping and praying and secluding himself from the real world in order to connect to the divine. This practice has been seen throughout all the prophets of God, whether we look at Moses or we look at Jesus. All of the prophets of God spent a time of seclusion in order to connect with God Almighty and to pray for the victory of their mission, in order for mankind, for humankind to connect with God Almighty. And at that instance of 40 days of prayer, asking for the victory of Islam, God responded, I will give you a son, a boy, a child. Now all of you know that it, since time immemorial, as people get older, there is a sort of maturity in society. And when folks get older, it gets harder for them to adjust, to change. And usually those who rule societies or run societies are folks of older ages. And so at a time when we are looking for Islam to be victorious, for this huge burden to be placed on someone's shoulder, for God to respond to the promised Messiah and say, by the way, I'm going to place this huge burden that you spent 40 days of prayers on, on a child. But the promised Messiah's response was nothing but glad tidings to God Almighty. He understood right away that this would be a unique, a unique sign for the whole world. Just for a moment, I want you to all to recall what happened to Jesus when he was but 33 years old, and he presented himself as a prophet of God before the high priest. What did they say? Did they embrace him? Were they happy to see him? Were they excited? Oh great, God has given us a young man to lead. No. The response was, let's hang him. Let's put him on the cross. Why would God send a man with a small beard and young age? He should be sending somebody who's old, who has a long beard, who's a, a veteran in this work, who has spent years and years trying to connect with God. How could God send such a young man? And this is how they reacted. But we are so fortunate and blessed that the second coming of Isa the second coming of Jesus the promised Messiah was in fact telling the world that guess what? A child, even younger than Jesus, would be presented before you and it is your job to accept him. Because he will take the flag of Islam to the corners of the earth. And again, this is not something new and just unique for Jesus. Let me give you another example. Hazrat Adam salam, Adam, we all know the very famous story where he was told to stay away from a particular tree. That of course was a family tree, not a physical tree. He was told to remain away from them. Because Iblis leaded a certain group of people, and they would look to create disorder in the community, in the Jannat that was established by Hazrat Adam and his followers. 
But Adam Islam made a mistake. He misjudged one of his followers, Iblis' followers, and allowed him to enter his community, to be a part and parcel of this community. And we all know what happened next. It created disorder, chaos. So much so that Adam Islam, his wife, and the leftover followers had to migrate, had to leave this Jannat and start fresh. At that time we read in the Holy Quran that God Almighty told Hazrat Adam salam that your bodies have been naked. Cover them with leaves. And if anybody thinks that this is literal, it is not. Hazrat Muslim in a beautiful way explains what this means. He says, when Adam salam was left alone and forced to migrate, God Almighty guided him and told him to cover yourself with leaves because leaves are a sign of the youth, the young people, the new generation. He said, if you want to start again and you want to rebuild and you want to create a movement, get the youth to join you, the young folks, the young folks to be part of you. Then and only then will your movement grow again and you will be able to see the days of Jannat once again. This is a common reoccurring theme. Look at the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Was Hazrat Zaid an old man? Hazrat Usman was he an old man? Hazrat Ali was he an old man? They were young. And majority of those who joined in the beginning were either young or they were poor and weak, so to speak in society's eyes. But they are the ones who helped bring about a great transformation, a transformation of society. So that brings me back to the story of Hazrat Masih Maud the promised Messiah We find that at this time in this era, there was a certain level of patience that the promised Messiah showed towards his sons or his children. And this is where I want to draw our attention to. That on one end, God Almighty is promising that this child that's going to be born is going to be beyond perfection. He's going to have 52 signs. He's not only going to be a son, but he's going to grow older and he's going to do these magnificent things. And yet, just like we all remember, that when God Almighty says, Alaysa Allahu bikafin abduhu, it does not come without some kind of hardship. In the same way, the promised Messiah was shown that I will give you a son who will do great things. But then this son in his childhood becomes very sick, very frail, very weak. So much so that even one of his eyes almost becomes completely blind. He has a fever for six to eight months. He's so sick he can't go to school, he can't learn, he can't get an education. This is the level of the child that he's been, God is giving him this child. A child that appears to any worldly person as a broken child, God forbid. As a child who is weak. He can barely stand and walk and, and read a book. How is he supposed to teach the world? And that's when God Almighty speaks from heaven, abduhu. Is Allah not sufficient for His servants? That is when Allah Almighty transforms a great difficulty, a great challenge, into a beautiful, magnificent miracle. And we see that this miracle is, is, is exhibited in the life of the Promised Messiah in a very unique way. Because think of it like this, how many of us 
have been impatient with our children, myself included. How many of us have been frustrated with our children, annoyed at times? And yet our children, they're not destined for perfection, but this child was. We want our children to be perfect and the best in the world, and yet they haven't, we have not received any promise from God Almighty. But we treat them as though they should be perfect, and whenever they fall out of line, we get annoyed, we get angry, we get upset. But what did this Messiah, this promised Messiah, this man of God, what did he do when the child he was given is actually destined for perfection? What did he do when this child was out of line? This is the lesson for us as adults first off. One day, one of his children saw a bunch of papers sitting around. He said, interesting, I have a lighter. Here's some things to light. Let me take these papers and light them on fire. Now I don't recommend any child to do this at all under any circumstances. Uh, you'll be in big trouble. But I'm giving this example to all of us because we all do something that's important to us. For example, in this day and age, it could be a computer file you were typing up on Word. I've done that many times, written a, a chapter of a book or something. But in this case, the child sees these papers and decides to burn them. When he's done, the promised Messiah sees that these papers have been burned. What does he do? Imagine, you've typed up an entire book on a Word document, you've saved it on your desktop, and your child comes in and says, ooh, laptop, and starts clicking away and permanently deletes it, it's gone. How many of us, how would we react? Just think about how you would react. You know how you would react. I don't have to mention it. But how did the promised Messiah react? He said, it's okay. Maybe Allah wants me to write something better. Maybe Allah wants me to do something better. No worries, he says nothing to this child and leaves them alone. What kind of father is that? Again, he's supposed to expect perfection from his child. And yet, he's saying, it's okay, beta. It's okay. Don't worry. Nothing to worry about. In another instance, he's sitting in his room and he's working very hard, very diligently. And how many of us have not been in that situation? Myself included. We're in our office. We're contemplating. We're, we're dealing with some very important you know, intricate things about our work or whatever. He's doing the same. Probably much more important than what me and you are doing. Because he's again setting up a movement to transform the world. What happens? A child comes running into his room, knocks on the door. He gets up to open it. The child comes in, runs around in circles, and then runs out the door again. Okay, now if it happened to any one of you, how would you react? Probably would yell at the mother, right? Or in the mother's case, it would be the opposite, right? Yell at the father, what's going on here? And we've all been there, I've been there as well. What happens again? The child comes again, bangs on the door again, father gets up, opens the door, the child runs around in circles and runs out again. And he does this over and over and over, and the father doesn't say anything. This is how the promised Messiah showed us how a father should be. Now I don't recommend anybody to go into your room or your parents' room and run around in circles. I don't think they would be happy with that. Okay? But I'm teaching the parents here of how we should show patience towards our children. The third story, and I've had this experience myself and I didn't realize it 
until I had done it. And that is that one day the promised Messiah is given a rock, small rock by his child, and told, keep this safe. And so promised Messiah naturally puts it in his pocket, keeps it safe. But if you've ever had something that's a very pointy, sharp kind of rock, you'll notice that immediately you won't feel any pain, but soreness will start over time. I didn't realize it until I tried it myself. My daughter once gave me a little toy, I don't know if it was an Elsa doll or whatever it was. It was in my pocket for a whole day. By the end of the day, I'm feeling sore there. And I don't make the connection that it was in my jacket, and I was wearing it, and it was pressing against me. And the same thing happened to the Prophet He held that rock the whole day. Towards the end of the day, eventually felt that he was sore somewhere, and went and got it checked. And when they looked, they said, you know, we don't see anything wrong, but what is this in your pocket? And he says, oh, it's a rock that one of my children gave. Again, how many of us would be like, okay, it's okay, let's just keep a rock in our pocket. We'd probably say, get out of here and throw it away, right? But look at the love of the Prophet Wasallam. how busy he was, how he's here on the face of this earth to create a great change in the world. And yet, he took that little toy and kept it in his pocket. In fact, the only reason I kept it in my pocket was remembering that the Prophet Wasallam had done that. But again, he didn't stop there as a father. Don't think that that was it. He was just patient. In fact, he did things for his children that you can't even imagine. Let me give you two examples, of, just two examples. One day has a Muslim mother, again, this promised son, who's promised to be this perfect child, who's going to transform the entire world. He is experiencing an ailment of his eyes that are so bad, that his eyes become shut completely. He cannot open them. I imagine, any of you can imagine, if your child is sick, it feels like the world has stopped. It feels like nothing's gonna happen next. If you all remember, we had the Capitol riots in America. That day I have no idea that the Capitol riots were happening. Because one of my daughters was sick. I had to take her to get her checked. And the whole day I'm getting text messages, I'm ignoring them because I'm so worried about my daughter that I don't even realize that the entire world is upside down. That is how much a parent gets focused on, the, on, on their children. And so in the same way, you can imagine, what does the promised Messiah Islam do? He begins fasting. He fasts for the sake of his child's health. And it's reported that he continued to fast and on the last day of his fast, on the last day when he is about to open his fast, has a Muslim of his eyes open and he began to see again. Imagine the love of a father. The second story is of course, one day someone complained to the Prophet Muhammad that has a Muslim of this son again, the son of perfection who is going to go and write books and and teach the world that his handwriting was extremely poor. That we can't even read his handwriting. We don't know what it says. How many of us when we get a report from our teachers, our children's teacher, we lose our mind. We start yelling at our children extra special that day, right? Making sure they're even better than they were before. But look at what the promised Messiah does. He gets this complaint and immediately he calls Hazrat Khalifa Masih Awwal, Maulvi Nuruddin Raziyat Alano and tells him about this complaint. And then has a, the promised Messiah says, okay fine, we'll do a quick test. Let's find out how bad it really is. 
And so out of his own love and affection for his son, he writes a few lines first, and then asks as a Muslim, I'll copy them, let's see how your handwriting is. Now you and I know if we were going to test our child to make sure our child is perfect, we would probably say, here, grab the, most, the, the, you know, the Webster dictionary and say, write from here, let me see how you write. Or we would say a quick sentence, say, write it down, let me see how bad your handwriting is. But here, he wants to make it easier for his son. He doesn't want to put him in that, that situation where the son is so uncomfortable and can't do it and feels like he's a failure. Instead, he makes him feel like he's, a, he's accomplished. He's amazing. He can do this. Opening the door of positivity, which is what we need to be able to do with our kids. What does he do? So Hazrat Muslim says that he carefully started writing. And naturally, if you're copying words, it's not that hard. Your handwriting will automatically improve. And so he writes it. The Prophet looks at it and he says, there's nothing to worry about here. I don't think the complaint is valid. It looks okay to me. I can read it. In fact, he writes very similar to me. And lets it go. This is the affection of a father for his son, but also not the, 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 the damage of having that extra burden on your children. We do that on a daily basis and sometimes we forget what happens. We say our, your formal education is more important than anything on the earth. We make sure they live in a certain city or a zip code to make sure that they can get the best education in the world. But when it comes to spirituality, we leave it, we ignore it. When it comes to their moral character, you know, a, a good school and a good zip code is not going to give your kid good character. It's not going to give your kid good conduct or good morals. It's not going to give your kid God or a connection to Allah Ta'ala. That's on you. How do you do that? Through your example. Through the love you have for the promised Messiah And therefore, we need to really understand that our focus should not just be education. It should not just be the dollar amount that they make when they earn something. It should be their moral character, how good they are as people, the morality that they have. That's very, very critical in their pursuit for a greater and more purposeful life. And this, let me just show you exactly how much has a Muslim mother then returned this kind of appreciation for his father. Just give you one example. The kind of love he had for his father and understanding that his father meant well for him. And this goes again for girls who are looking to their mothers, or sons looking to their fathers, or vice versa, however you want to look at it. Basically a child to their parent. When he was 11 years old, he had decided that he would not be an Ahmadi simply because his father was an Ahmadi. He will ask the question, why? Why am I an Ahmadi? Is there a God? Is Muhammad Rasulullah true? Is the promised Messiah true? Is Ahmadiyyat true? And in order to get deeper in this conversation, he decided that he would go in seclusion. Separate himself from the world, the distractions of this world, and he would pray. And when he did that, he actually wore a cloak of the promised Messiah, of his own father. Assuming that regardless if he is true or not, there is some barakah, there are some blessings in it. It was the affection of his father, the love of his father. The understanding that his father had blessings in his life. And so that way he actually began to pray profusely and ask God, Oh Allah, show me that you exist. And that day, same day, 11 p.m. at night, he says, I discovered God Almighty. It was as if a baby finally discovers its mother. This was the making of that child who grew up to do great wonders. 
So if we truly want our children to do great wonders, we have to make sure that our priorities are straight. So that their trajectory is towards goodness, is towards spreading goodness, and towards emulating goodness. Otherwise, there is no purpose and no point in trying to raise children who simply know a lot of things and have a good paying job, but they show no respect, they know no morals, and they have no good conduct. May Allah help us to keep all of our children safe, all of our children in the highest esteem, and to be able to make them have that environment that they connect with God Almighty on a personal level. Ameen. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim innaka hamidun majid.